Hello, everybody. I am Dylan Pescatore. I'm here with my three associates, and we're here for Beyond the Whistle, Episode 3, on this wonderful Tuesday, January 21st. We have a lot to talk about, guys. I'm here with my man Ian Nicholas, Austin Platt, and Chad Russo, our first four-man crew to start off our show. Episode 3, as I said, we're going to start off with the games that just happened two days ago, the AFC and NFC Championship games. Let's start over in the American Football Conference with the Chiefs. They found themselves down 17-7 in the second quarter, and then Patrick Mahomes woke up from the dead. He scored so many points. He looked so electric out there. To key in on one highlight was that amazing run he had down the sideline on the left side. No one could tackle him, and he fought his way into the end zone. So, Ian, let's start off with the Chiefs. What were your thoughts on their overall performance? Well, first, on that amazing run to get the Chiefs back in the game, I screened at the top of the lungs in my house. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, it's a great team that they've assembled over the past few years. But when you talk about what he can single-handedly do for a football team, it's insane. I mean, he's the first quarterback ever to have 250-plus yards and 50-plus rushing yards in two straight postseason games. He is a unicorn in a sense. He's just, it's effortless. It's like people say Aaron Rodgers is the most talented thrower to football, but Patrick Mahomes is instantly becoming that new guy. But overall performance, running the ball, you said they ran the ball a little bit more than they needed to. They don't need to run the football when Patrick Mahomes is on fire. Tyree Kill had a great game. Kelsey had a great game. That matchup with Kittle should be fun in a Super Bowl. And defensively, I remember on Twitter, you said, why would Frank Clark ever say, uh, why, why would Frank Clark ever talk bad about Derrick Henry before a game? <laughs> it was a very dumb decision from him, but he backed it up. He had a great game. They got to Ryan Tannehill. They shut him down defensively. Tyron Matthew had a great game on the back end. Terrific performance, and they're peaking at the right time for the Super Bowl. For sure, Ian. I thought that it would backfire on them. Usually it does when players talk about others, especially a guy like Derrick Henry, who's run for almost uh, or 100 yards for the past six games. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Now, Chad, what do you think the main issue was for the Titans in this game? You know, I just think I didn't think they could cover the faster guys downfield. They got too focused on covering the speedy guys like Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman. That really opened up things in the mid mid range throws for Patrick Mahomes for guys like uh, Travis Kels, and uh, the running game really seemed to pull in all the linebackers more towards the box, really opening up the tight end passing game. For sure, Austin, what did you see was the issue for the Titans? They found themselves up seventeen to seven in the second, and then they just collapsed really. Well, they knew that this. The Chiefs team knows how to come back. They did it against the Texans, and as you mentioned, Chad, perfect, perfect way to put it. Uh, they just couldn't get the guys downfield and across the middle. That's where they beat you. And also, you got to know that Patrick Mahomes has the ability to run. We saw on that touchdown, and he has the ability to change the game as he did. So a great run from the Titans, however, as a six seed, beating really the probably the two best quarterbacks in the conference in Brady and Jackson. So a great run from them. But the Chiefs peaking at the right time, and it'll be a great Super Bowl matchup. For could, sure, and Can we go just on, bring Chad. it back to that Patrick Mahomes run, though? I mean, I didn't think it was that impressive. I saw a lot of guys just missing tackles when he was running in a straight line. I mean, I remember, I forget the guy's name, but number 37 just flying across the field and absolutely whiffing on a tackle when he was all wrapped up. It was just, I didn't think it was that impressive. It, it doesn't matter how impressive the run is. It's just the unpredictability of Patrick Mahomes. You can prepare for him all week, and then he just plays a different style of game. A lot of things we saw in this game were boundary passes, things outside the numbers, because you mentioned they were trying to cover the downfield, and that left a lot of things open for Patrick Mahomes to dink and dunk it underneath before eventually he took that shot. And a lot of teams, they don't know. They're confused. Is it short pass? Is it long pass? And then all of a sudden, he scrambles for 20 yards. The defense isn't expecting it. Defenders aren't ready to set up and tackle cleanly 
certainly. But as you mentioned, the 49ers are going to have to tackle phenomenally, and they are a great tackling team when Patrick Mahomes breaks loose. I just thought that the Chiefs received a lot of help in the officiating game, too. Mm. They got a couple of questionable calls where there was some potential offensive pass interference where they called defensive holding. Yeah. And I thought that really calls. that really kind of threw away the game for the Titans and really took away some of their momentum as the game went on. That's true. And Dylan, what do you think of the game overall? You know, it was a great game. I really never believed that the Titans would take this one. It was 17-7 in the second. But it was only really a matter of time until I knew Mahomes would break out. Mm-hmm. They had a three and out to serve the game with um, Kelsey dropping that third and two pass, which they had issues with drops in the start of the Texans game. But then they turned it on, and they did so here. Um, Mahomes looked great. Uh, the key play was the run of course but another play it was a little bit later in the game to really uh make sure that the win was gonna happen it was a 60-yard bomb to Sammy Watkins Mm -hmm. he was on the run to his right throwing it down the middle Chad you're shaking your head did you not feel impressed by that one either I mean he threw it 50 yards down the field I just saw a wide open receiver because of offensive pass interference I just really disagreed with the call and I thought it was he was just so wide open to be completely honest with you like, hitting a guy that far downfield is really impressive on his own, throwing cross body and like that. But when you're, the guy's that wide open, it's like just throwing it up and hoping for the best. It could have been anyone down there, and it could have been anyone throwing the ball, I think. I see your point. I see your point. Now let's move over to the other side of the league, the NFC. It was a great game, a little bit less exciting than we thought we would get with the Niners and the Packers, the Niners winning 37-20, but the game really wasn't as close as the score may seem. Uh, we saw Jimmy G, which was a huge stat for me, was he only threw the ball eight times and completed six for only 77 yards, no touchdowns. But they don't need to throw the ball when they have a guy like Raheem Mozart scoring four touchdowns in this one. It was a really great uh, approach and really great appearance from Kyle Shanahan. The coach really showed us what he can do on the big stage his first time in a championship game. Ian, what do you take away from the Niners' approach from running and ground and pound? Well, Kyle Shanahan is a guy who everyone loved as the next young offensive guru coach a few years ago, and then he only wins eight games his first two seasons. But that's not his fault. He didn't have a quarterback. And this year, he hasn't needed Jimmy Garoppolo to play well, but his presence alone as a pocket passer opened up so much. He's not C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins. He's a guy who can stand in the pocket and make throws. But as you mentioned, he did not need to do anything in this game because Kyle Shanahan is the best game-planning offensive coordinator as a head coach in football the run game the run design was fantastic they're pulling guys they're running trap plays on third and eight running the football and it's working because there's just these massive holes and you mentioned Raheem Mostert had one of the best games running back has ever had in the playoffs and he's a talented player undrafted cut by numerous teams you love his story but the holes he was running through were fantastic and that's all game planning and that's all offensive line coach and coaching and game plan from Shanahan and defensively Chad I'll throw it to you on this one they have probably the best front seven we've seen since that 2011 Ravens team rave about some of those guys in the challenge it's going to present for the Chiefs and the challenge it presented for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense well I mean when you have Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner coming off the edge it's really hard just to get anything downfield because with that much pressure coming it's hard just to get anyone open, especially with great coverage from guys like Richard Sherman. And then also you have three awesome linebackers with Quan Alexander. You have Greenlaw. I forget his first name at Dre the moment. Dre Greenlaw, rookie. Great pick from John Lynch. There. And a second-year player, Fred Warner, who's also just had an amazing season. All really great coverage linebackers while also being able to cover the run really well, too. And it just makes it so they can cover almost everywhere. There's no holes in this defense, really. Mm-hmm. The weakest spots are at the safety spots, but with guys like Richard Sherman being able to drop back and cover three, you can still get some of that deep coverage that you need. 
And I thought it was also really interesting to look at their defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and the head coach of the Packers were actually once roommates and coached together at Central Michigan yep. in 2004. Yep. And I know it seems crazy, right? But uh, I thought it was really interesting to see how their defensive coordinator was able to really just read the mm-hmm. offense of the Packers so well after having such a long relationship with Matt LaFleur. For sure. And uh, we talked about the Niners defense, Richard Sherman and Darrell Rivas had a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a fight online with social media. We saw Sherman and Revis going back to back. Ian, you want to talk about that? Yeah, definitely. Richard Sherman, it's an incredible story for a guy who was a fifth-round pick out of Stanford, converted from wide receiver to corner, plays in Seattle, is a phenomenal player there, Legion of Boom star, and then he blows out his Achilles, and Seattle makes the business decision to cut him. And, you know, he was trending off a little bit, and he blew out your Achilles as a corner. That's a big injury. So, you know, and then he comes to the 49ers, the division rival. He signed a three-year deal, and he's right back where he was a few years ago. And Darrell Revis is trying to argue that he's not a true cover corner, man-to-man, because he doesn't travel with the receiver. He doesn't need to. People don't – this is not Madden. We're not running man-to-man every single play. This is the NFL. Man, man coverages sometimes have zone principles, and zone coverages sometimes have man principles. You know, and for Darrell Revis to say that, you know, he'd play man-to-man every single play, and he's bashing Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman had the best year of any corner in the NFL this year. He had a great game against Devontae Adams for the most part, gave up that big play late. Stephen Gilmore is also a great Stephon cornerback. Stephon Gilmore has done a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you give credit to Richard Sherman and the entire defense. He helps them out a lot. And, uh, Chad, you want to add something in Austin? We also want to get to you on the big performance from both teams as well, obviously. I just don't understand why anyone would ever go after Richard Sherman. <laughs> when you think about it, it's a guy with a Stanford education who, who does his own contracts. He doesn't use an agent. So you can already tell it's already a really intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand why you'd go after someone that's as articulate as him. Like, he's going to beat you in an argument nine times out of ten. So if you're a Rebus... Why would you target a guy that has the talent and education to be able to back up what he says? Because he has nothing better to do. He's sitting on the couch right now, retired, instead of playing for a third Super Bowl like Richard Sherman. So he was bored. He chirped Sherman. That was a bad move. Austin, what about you? Rough move there, but Sherman's going to have to have a big game in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. We know what Mahomes' predictability is. No matter what the 49ers do, Mahomes is going to pull something out of his pocket that we're not going to see. But Sherman is going to have to stay deep and have to protect against the big plays against Tyreek Hill and the fast guys like that. That's going to be the X factor for this for this 49ers defense. And offensively, can they get that run game going? It's going to be very interesting offensively. I'm expecting a high-scoring game. Speaking of the big game, let's get right to it. What are you guys' picks for the big game, 49ers Chiefs? Well, I'm going to throw it to Chad first because Chad has an interesting prediction for the game that I was a little stunned by. But what do you think, Chad? Well, I know my, my pick's going to be a little strange to some people, but uh, I'm going to have to go with the Simpsons on this one. Who, okay. Uh, back, I believe it was five or six years ago, said that the 49ers were going to win a Super Bowl in Miami. And look at what we have this year. A Super Bowl in Miami with the 49ers. And I think we all know the Simpsons are usually pretty right <laughs> on the future. I mean, they predicted the presidency of Donald Trump before he even, even started running. So I'm going to have to go with the 49ers. I think they're going to win by seven or more. I just think they have that really good defense. And I don't think that the Chiefs can come out to a slow start like they have in the past against the Niners because I really think the Niners can make them pay. I see that. Disagree. I'm going with the Chiefs here. I think Patrick Mahomes, the guy who's played a lot more. I mean, Jimmy G has only had, what, like 14 starts before this season. So he's he's a little inexperienced there. But uh, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, if they get – off to an early start, I don't see them 
getting stopped. I get it defensively. This 49ers team is the best defense the Chiefs have really seen all year, but I think Patrick Mahomes kicks in at full gear, and I think he wins Super Bowl MVP. I think they win a high-scoring one. I'll say 37-31 in favor of Kansas City. I like it. Ian? This is tough. You, you, there are a lot of variables here. Coaching, you got Andy Reid, who's one of the best coaches of all time, but only a second Super Bowl. Then you got Kyle Shanahan, who's never head coached a Super Bowl, but was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in the 28-3 to three game a few years ago. So you got two guys who have been here, done that, and have been through the hard times of NFL coaching. You got two great coordinators, one more of a passing team, one more of a running team. It's all going to be game plan, and I think it's going to be tough. Personally, I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Same thing. You know, the Titans were red hot, and I said, you know what? I bet the Titans are going to win against the Chiefs. And I don't care that I'm wrong. I'm just not going to bet against a hot team. And as much as I love what the 49ers are doing offensively and defensively right now, Robert Sala doing that great job defensively with that team. Probably should have gotten the Browns job as their head coach. But ultimately, I can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. No defense has been able to stop him yet. And even though the 49ers have the tools to do it, I'm going to say that the Chiefs win 28 to 24 in a close game. I think 49ers are going to come out hot with that run game, but Patrick Mahomes can turn it on any moment. I can't bet against him. No, I agree, Ian. I am also going to go with the Chiefs. 49ers' big thing was their run game against the Packers, but as we saw, Frank Clark said he shut down King Henry, the guy who dominated the run game against the Pats and the Ravens. They're going to stop that run game, make Jimmy G throw, which he hasn't done so far this postseason, and that's going to be a big stage for Jimmy to show up. We'll see if he does. Rookie quarterbacks, it's really a toss-up. I don't think he will. I think Mahomes, he has postseason experience. I think he's really going to show up in the Super Bowl. And I think they win handedly, I'd say, 31-21. to 21. Now let's move on to our next topic here. Big topic in sports has been the Astros cheating scandal. The Astros, they've been fa found uh, guilty of cheating throughout the 2017 uh, regular season and postseason using a... Uh, way of using real-time feeds into the clubhouse of what was going on with the catcher signs. They then represented that through hitting a trash can, and then the batters got signal of what pitcher's coming. Funny, right, guys? It, it, it it's, almost, it's almost like a storybook, really. So, Ian, what were your thoughts in the whole situation with the cheating scandal, and do you think the punish punishments were fair? Well, I know you and Austin are more baseball guys than Austin. I know you're both big Yankee fans, which is why... It kind of seems crazy that, you know, the last two seasons you get so far and then all of a sudden these magical seasons just come to a halt in the playoffs. And we're finding out that there's something that, you know, there's actually a reason to that outside of poor play. It wasn't poor play. There was more at stake here. Look, baseball, there's always something happening here and there. People are always trying to steal signs in this. But this is kind of insane. We were talking about it over the weekend. You can't have a live feed. It, you can't steal signs like this live during a game. You know, coaches can try to steal things, you know, in game by themselves. But when you have an extra camera set up, and technology everyone, is not allowed. Everyone in the organization knows it's happening, and it's just it's up another level. You know, all every team does a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but the Astros just took it up another level. They've been doing it for years. And something I also thought was crazy is how did the Nationals win? when they were up against the Strohs and they might have been doing something like this. And then there's the whole buzzer thing. And is that true? Maybe not. But it's just so, there's so many different things and everyone's on the same page. You know, we've had scandals in the past where it's one member of an organization or two members of an organization that are involved. But everyone on the Astros organization, from the GM to the players to the manager, everyone knew it was happening and they were all behind it. That's why I think the punishments are probably a little not as severe as they should be. 
for sure, the players were not punished due to the players' association that MLB has. They have a contract with the league that says the players cannot be found guilty for this, even though they were the ones using the way of cheating. Austin, what was your whole thing? And maybe put some insight into the buzzer situation that was found in 2019. Well, the buzzer situation, only a rumor, but there was a rumor that when Jose Altuve rounded third after hitting that big home run off of Chapman in the Game 6 ALCS, he was shouting to his teammates, don't rip my jersey off. And uh, there was, and then there's even another thing that looks like he's saying, "I have a piece underneath," and that could be like a buzzer or something. I mean, it's really ridiculous, quite honestly. There's obviously the Astros got found cheating in '17. Alex Cora, the bench coach, goes to Boston, and there was that cheating scandal that came about. And now this whole buzzer thing. I mean, it's really ridiculous. And to think that only a couple people could be doing this, which is why if the whole team knows about it they're not going to rip the jersey off which is brings up some suspicion about maybe only a couple players were doing it but i mean it's hard to suspend the players you have to go through a really deep investigation and find only a couple players doing it you have to have some video or some evidence of that so i mean i agree with the no players thing but i mean come on it's ridiculous if they find they're gonna have to do another investigation with the buzzer thing because there's a there's a picture of josh reddick in an interview with look like a band-aid and then there's the bulge with altuve's jersey so this is a big problem and uh, MLB is doing the right thing. I mean, it's not great for baseball that this is coming out when you have two two championship-winning teams that get caught for cheating and maybe a third. So, I mean, it's pretty bad. It's honestly embarrassing for baseball. You know, the Astros, a team, I thought they were the best team in baseball in 17. They beat the Yankees fair and square. They lost in Yankee Stadium all three games. They were blown out in those games. 8-0, 6-4, 5-0, blown out, not even close. And then they go to the Houston, to Houston, the Yankees do, and they just lose one-run games. Very suspicious. You know, I accepted the 17 loss as a Yankees fan. I accepted it. And then 2019 happens. Jose Altuve hits a nice shot in ALCS Game 6. And now we figure out this buzzer situation. The Red Sox are under investigation for 18. The Yankees are getting cheated three straight years. This is an embarrassment to the league. The face of the league are the Yankees, and they're getting embarrassed by cheating. This is embarrassing. And where is Justin Verlander? He's a guy who's all about keeping the game clean, and now his team is cheating in 17 and 19. And don't tell me that the Astros weren't cheating 18, because if they cheat in 17 and 1, you think they just stop? They would just stop cheating? No way. No, they had to find a new strategy of cheating, and Verlander's all about keeping the game clean, and now he has no comments. And then we hear Altuve is like, oh, at the end of the year, they're going to be back in the World Series. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see about that, buddy. Don't, don't calm down here. It's okay, okay. Matt. It okay. angers okay, me because okay. as a Yankees fan, I expect my team to be competitive and win the World Series every hey, year. Hey, and now these fun. cheaters are taking over the league, and it needs to Mad stop. Mad dog. Mad dog. Calm down right. here. Dylan, Bottom Dylan, line, Dylan. it's bad for the, baseball. You want to hear the perspective of a casual fan? From a guy. I love this as a casual fan. <laughs> I'm a Raiders fan. Like I don't cheating? care what we a casual a, fan thinks. I care that my team cheating. was cheated for three straight years. You okay. had your, your uh, tuck rule thing. The Yankees what? have been cheating through sign stop stealing, the table, and they need to stop. And the Yankees need to show up and stop this investigation. The Yankees were never investigated for cheating because they're a clean organization. The Astros are cheaters, Dylan, and they you need sound to be like reprimanded. A you sound like a Cowboys yeah, fan. You they need to be reprimanded Please. in a way that the players get reprimanded because they were used in the scandal. They used Shh. the cheating scandal with the yeah. signs, and they need to be stopped.
Dylan, everybody cheats in baseball. Everybody knows that everybody cheats in but baseball. But not everyone gets caught. Just because somebody used technology to cheat, everyone else is now getting jealous that they didn't think of it first. Jealous? Yeah. Everyone, That's against every, the rules. Every team cheated you play in baseball, some way. Come on. You try and figure out the Austin, signs? there we go. That's, no, no, no. Chad, you don't understand. The technology has never been used before by, the, by any team, and now the Astros feel they can use a real-time feed when the rule is that it has to be a seven to eight-second delay in the clubhouse so this doesn't occur. But they had this real-time feed where the signals could be sent through the trash can. I just want to mention one more thing. And I know you're not going to love it, but I'm going to say this. From Chad and I, from a casual standpoint, we know you're diehard Yankee fans. You're diehard baseball fans. You want to see good, clean play. But the fact is, is those games, especially the games that were at Houston, were electric games. They were back and forth. Maybe they were one-run games. I know. One-run games. One, they were, one they, bounce they were either great, way, and were, it could go were, the other way. They were great games. Maybe because they were cheating, but they, they were. were great games to watch, even from a non-baseball I don't care how the game and was the to watch. That, My thing, team should have won. I know, but the thing that's the most disappointing to me is baseball for a moment, for the casual fan, was a lot of fun to watch, but cheating was involved for it to get there. What does that which mean? Is, also, which is sad also. that a sport needs to cheat its way to have a... I don't a care electric... how the sport looks. Okay, well... Dylan, here are your Yankees. The Strohs are gone. The Red Sox are gone. They're not gone. They're still a very competitive team. They have very good players. Yeah, but the Yankees are even better this year, Garrett Cole. You guys Anything have a can happen you guys in baseball. Been, okay, unless they have, you know, a guy with a metal arm on the field, the Yankees are probably going to have a cakewalk back to the World Series. Anything year, can right? happen. I will wait until the 2020 World Series to expose Altuve as that lying cheater that he is, uh -huh. telling me that he'll, his, his team will be back in the World Series, and we'll see that. Uh, now, uh, let me calm down a bit. Let's uh, move on whoa, to the next whoa. topic Chad, here. We're not done here. Well, I think you have Let's to look at this, this from baseball's perspective, too. You have to think that it's disappointing that there's cheating, but think about the news they've made. They've been able to get some people out in the press now. For people like me who don't ca who don't usually watch baseball, exactly. this has been awesome. This has brought some actual entertainment to baseball. But the question isn't, is, the base is baseball benefiting? It is, what will the Astros do? What is their punishment? And it is fair. The punishment was not fair because the players need to be punished. Correa. Guriel, Bregman, Altuve. All, and I see they'll Brian be punished. They'll be punished they with not, rogue pitches. Will, That's what's going to happen. I don't care if they get hit. I need them to be suspended. I see the stats that Altuve's hitting 471 at home, and then he hits 173 mm -hmm. on away. Oh, coincidence? Then I see a veteran guy like Brian McCann. Guy hits 200 every year in the regular season. He's hitting 300 at home? Come on, Chad. And then he's hitting .70 on away. This is an issue that MLB needs to fix. I don't know, Dylan. I just thought it was a home field advantage kind of thing, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't see any other stats like this. Oh, uh, I don't know. The Raiders and the Black Hole are pretty electric like that. <laughs> just we'll saying. see what the Raiders did this season. Bottom Chad. line. Anyway, bottom line. But Chad is Astros, Astros, but Chad every team experimented with cheating in what some Chad way, is shape, or form. Say is even though Yankees were cheated against, and you have a right to be three mad. Three straight years. Okay, you have a right to be mad, and you're right. Three years you could have been the champions, and you were cheated out of it. But we would not be talking about baseball right now in the middle of January if it weren't for this. Baseball's popularity in baseball was, especially in-game and in the media, has never had in the past few years more coverage, not because of how the Strohs played, because of what they did. But Ian, it's let me good this for the league publicity-wise, even though it's an embarrassment. You're a Giants fan. Yes. Your team gets cheated out of the Super Bowl three straight I would years. be furious. You would be furious. But you're not talking about if football is the main popularity because it is. You're talking about that your team was cheated. You had three rings taken away from you from this cheating scandal. And I am irate 
at the Astros and the Red Sox for both cheating. Alex Cora should be suspended from baseball for life. I'm not that saying man is a criminal. I'm There's not saying. no proof yet that the Red Sox cheated. They, they, they will be. They will be. It is under investigation. This is all alleged. You cannot be making <laughs> claims of cheating out here just because you're a Yankees fan. Yeah. You don't even know. Maybe the Yankees are doing it. Maybe they, everybody, every team did something with cheating. That's Maybe the bottom line. Maybe it's the cool line. kids thing to do right now. Speaking okay? of cheating, speaking of cheating, let's move on a bit. Carlos Beltran, another Astros player in 17, who apparently figured out how to hit in Houston. Guy hadn't hit all year. Figured out how to hit in Houston in the playoffs and regular season. It was the training he, facilities, Dylan. He was hired as the Mets manager in, in early January, and now they have decided to fire him. After it's still January. In, in a few weeks later, yep. as I said, they have been fired due to this scandal. He didn't do – he wasn't found guilty of the cheating, but he was a player in the report, and now the Mets have fired him. Ian, do you think that was the right move by the Mets? Look, this is an organization that's been dysfunctional for a long time, and I know these cheating scandals are really recent in a sense, but everyone knew there was a little bit something up, uh, you know, especially even before Beltran was hired, if I'm not mistaken. Something might have been up with the Astros. And sometimes, you know, especially in any coaching search for any team, NFL, NBA, MLB, there's something called the safe candidate, the guy who might not be the best or the guy who's going to get you the highest, but a safe candidate. We saw that the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. You hire Beltran, sure, he's hot right now. He was hot in Houston, but you know there could be – something fishy there. So I don't know why the Mets, who have been so bad for so long, for many different reasons, from players to management to ownership, why would you hire a guy where there is even a chance of it backfiring? And this is horrible. This is an embarrassment for the Mets. Three weeks later, he's fired. You have to reset again. The coaches out there aren't as good because you have to hire another coach later in the year. It's just it's a horrible look for them. Spring training's happening about three weeks. Austin, who do you think the Mets should hire as manager, or maybe do they regret not hiring Joe Girardi? Joe Girardi was definitely a mistake there. For a guy who may have gotten chipped out of his own job in the 2017 scandal, with the, uh, was one game away from going to the World Series, was fired just after that. I think they should have gone after Girardi, quite honestly. I mean, he was by far the best manager out there. Got a World Series ring with the Yankees. Had a great team. Didn't, didn't Probably should have done better with the Yankees. Probably could have won another ring. But he's definitely the guy. Fits in New York. I mean, the Mets are a good team. I mean, quite honestly, as much as we like to laugh about them every year, they start they start off so great, mm-hmm. um, and then they just plummet. But, I mean, hey, they finished in third this year. It's a tight division, and, you know, they they, uh, they got Stroman, and they got Porcello, and they have a decent lineup. I mean, Pete Alonso's turned out to be a great star, as well as McNeil and other guys. So I think they should have definitely hired him, and now obviously they're going to regret that. They have, what, three weeks to get somebody, and before – the spring training kicks up again, but I think uh, I think they should have kept Beltran. Quite honestly, uh, the Mets don't. We know the Mets don't make a lot of big moves in the offseason. They barely, they rarely spend money. But I mean, come on, none of the players were punished. I get it. Beltran was the only guy who was only player that was mentioned in these scandals. But they shouldn't have fired him unless unless all the players got punished. The Mets weren't going to do anything about it. I mean, Beltran was the one who stepped down. So, I mean, the Mets wouldn't have done anything. It's the formality. A, that's right. Well, now that he is gone and there's nothing you can do about that, you can't just go back to Beltron. Is there any candidate that comes to mind? The only in-house candidate that has been talked about is this man called Luis Rojas. He's a minor league coach with the Mets. They'd rather hire internally rather than externally because he knows the players. He coached the players as they came up through the minors. Chad, what's your take on this? Uh, I think the Mets should pick up Alex Cora. 
I know everybody's hating on him right now and all this about the cheating and all that. But let's be honest. Are we really going to draw the line on cheating now? Everyone's cheated on something in their life. Let's be honest here. Mm. Dylan, can you say you've never cheated in your life? Neither can confirm I'm not going to say that I don't anyone. know much about physics, but I might have got 100 on the last test. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, oh, but I okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but, like, let's be honest here. Like, a lot of people cheat. And now that we're drawing these lines and stuff like that, these guys shouldn't have been fired from the jobs for cheating. Uh, let's be honest. You're people, saying Hinch shouldn't be fired? People have been stealing signs for a long time now. That was, that was not electronically. That was electronically. And let's be There's honest. a difference. That's where the line is. The Elect line is where the electronics okay. are. So now we're getting electronics involved. So now that we're entering a new age, we can't use... Modern problems need modern As solutions. As the technology advances, Yes, but guess what? It made the sport more interesting. And I think getting Alex Cora and Beltran back as managers would make the sport you more interesting. You can't hire two of them. You're saying that Cora I'm should saying, be the Mets I'm manager I'm saying the Red today. Sox should rehire, uh, should hire Beltran, and that the Mets swap. Should, they should yep, swap. they should give a little switcheroo. Here, Interesting. The big thing about the cheating and rehiring these managers is not how the media perceives it, not how we as fans perceive it, but what do the players think? And as Chad brings up, even though it's wrong and it shouldn't happen in any sport, cheating is making the game, in a sense, better. Now, I'm not saying anything I about that. I refer to it as a competitive but, but what edge. I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying Legal is Illegal competitive I heard edge. a former, I'm not sure his name, because I'm not a big baseball guy, not going to lie, but a former Golden Glove winner had a very similar um, perspective to Chad. He was on the Pat McAfee show, and he said this. He said, people have been doing this for so long, players don't care. Players know. So I'm not saying Beltron should get another job because he's qualified or because he cheated slash not cheated, but if you do bring in Cora or you do hire Beltron somewhere else, something that you don't have to worry about is the players won't be against him because they did it. Because all the players know something happened somewhere. It already happened there. So I'm not saying he should get a job again. But what I'm saying is, will the players get behind him because he cheated? And I'm saying, yes, that's not the reason why he shouldn't be hired again a few years down the road. You know, he's, if he's qualified, he should get the job. This shouldn't be the reason why he doesn't get another job. The solution to the Mets was to hire Girardi, the safe pick. Yeah, guy is a veteran experience as a coach. And New, now York just, guy, New York too. guy. New York guy. He could have just went across the bridge and been hired by the Mets. But, of course, they're a dysfunctional organization, hired Beltran, and this happens. Anyway, let's move on from baseball. Let's go into the NHL. It's in full swing. The All-Star break is this weekend. And let's talk about some teams. The Arizona Coyotes is a team I want to hit on. The coaching carousel, there's been six coaches fired in the league, and we're going to get into our picks of the most surprising team and a team that we feel has not met their expectations so far this year. Let's start off with the Coyotes. They're only one game away from the lead in the Pacific Division, and everyone here has chosen a topic of why they've been so great this year. Let's start off with that, Austin. Uh, I'll go with uh, Clayton Keller, the breakout for this guy. 51 games so far. He has 33 points, and he's developed a lot of chemistry with Taylor Hall, who they traded for. Uh, Chad, more on Taylor Hall? Well, I mean, he's their leading scorer with 40 points. I mean, I'm not a big NHL guy, but I'm pretty sure that's a pretty good pretty good amount of points. So, I mean, 40 points, that's awesome. That's a great trade. In, in the offseason for, again, any sport, you talk about veteran guys you can bring in, locker room guys. But a guy who's not only been a locker room guy, but has also gotten a lot of goals for the Coyotes is Phil Kessel. Traded for him in the offseason. He's not – he's in the middle of that – in the prime, out of his prime kind of thing later in his career. But he's a veteran leadership guy, and he's also been a proven goal scorer for this team. He's done it in the past, and he's done a solid job with his team. Not only as a leader, but he's providing quality of play for them. Absolutely. Years. We saw Kessel win two cups with the Penguins in 15 and 16. 
Anyways, let's go into the coaching carousel. There's been six coaches fired, some for performance, some for other reasons uh, that have been arisen, such as Babcock from the Leafs. Guys, what can a coaching change really do to a team in the locker room? During midseason, let's say they're on a run, and then boom, the guy that they listen to every day is gone, and they bring in a new guy. What can that mean? I mean, I just think it really messes with the chemistry of the team almost because you get so used to having one guy yelling at you and having that one guy that everyone's like, ah, that guy's here. Like, I don't want to be around him. And then you bring in someone that's completely different, and it just kind of throws off the whole atmosphere of your entire team. Like, what are you supposed to do now? You have a whole system change sometimes, and other times you can just have just a whole new, like, perspective from a whole new coach, which is really difficult to deal with. Absolutely. We've seen a lot of systems change, especially we're going to get into it, but with the Devils, they hired, they fired John Hines, who was hired by the Predators, and, you know, they have to go into a whole system change. They've been to a defensive team, and now they're moving into a more high-powered offensive team. Uh, let's get into our surprises and disappointments for this year. We all have picked a team that has surprised us, one that have disappointed us. Let's start off with the good news, the surprises. Ian, start us off. Well, the Flyers definitely got to be it for me. They have a good young core of players. And again, with young teams, there's always that question of, can they take the leap? When will they take it? Travis Konecki, he's been great, 51 points so far this year. And Ivan Provorov, excuse me, he has 25 points as well. And that's as a defenseman. So that's a lot from, from a guy who's not doing it. Uh, all the time. 22nd in the NHL last year. They've taken a huge leap this year. Young rosters, you always got to be like, how much expectations can we put on a team? And for any sport, when those players step up quicker than you expect, it's a, always a bonus. They've been hot this year, especially with goalie Carter, Carter Hart. Now let's go over to Chad for his surprise team. Well, I mean, just from a casual perspective watching the NHL, I've been really surprised by the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets. I've been really shocked by them. They lost three of their top players. With Matt Duchesne, Sergei Bobrovsky, and uh, Ryan, I can't even Zingle. pronounce the Zingle. The Zingle. It's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. That's but tough they're still name. playing really well this year. It's, it's shocking, honestly. It's been a great coaching performance by John, John Tortorella, which is, uh, I mean, that's a tough last name to pronounce. I don't know him much He's about a veteran, him. He's a veteran head coach. He's won many playoff series with the Rangers. He's been with a lot of teams. And. He's a guy who's he's going to tell you exactly what's going to go on. He's very direct, and he's been very direct with this Blue Jackets team. They've gotten goal scoring from Nick Foligno, from Pierre-Luc Dubrod, John Anderson. And now we'll go to Platt for his surprise team. My surprise team, I'm going to go west here, or rather up north to, the, uh, to Canada. We're going to go to Edmonton for the Oilers. Connor McDavid, one of the best young players in the game. Some say he's going to be the next Sidney Crosby. And also, Leon Dreisaitl. They're the top two point scorers in the league. McDavid has 76. Dreisaitl has 75. That is a lethal first line. No matter who, who the third person you put on that line, it's unbelievable the chemistry that they have in this division and the fact that where they were last year weren't even close to the playoffs. And now here they are on second in their division as we reach the halfway point of the season. They're going to be my dark horse pick to win the cup or even to, to go pretty far in the playoffs. I expect them to go to the conference finals. Absolutely awesome. That Pacific division is very tight, so we'll see if they make it or maybe they find themselves on the outside. A surprise team that I found was the Vancouver Canucks. They have the emergence of rookie D-man Quinn Hughes. He's a power play specialist. He runs that first power play unit very well. He has 34 points as a defenseman, even more than Provorov from the Flyers, and he's only a rookie. And then you look at the forward unit like Elias Pettersson. He has 51 points in his second year, and he's been great. Uh, kind of a low-key guy, doesn't really show much personality, but he is very skillful with the puck. And then they get the goaltending from Jakob Markstrom, 18-13-3 and three this year with a 2.71 goals against average. He has been rock-solid for them. He's played a lot this year. Their backup, 
Thatcher Demko hasn't played much because he's a rookie, but Markstrom has held down the fort so far, and they are first in the Pacific Division as of today. Now let's head over to the bad news, the disappointments for this year. Let's start off with Austin. I'm going to go with the Nashville Predators. You mentioned this coaching carousel. They fired Peter Laviolette, and they hired John Hines, the former Devils coach. And this team that was so good last year, they won the Central last year by a point over the Jets and the Blues. They lost in the first round to the Stars. I mean, last year the playoffs was so crazy. All the one seeds lost in the first round. But they have such a good team. Flip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, Pecorine is their goaltender, one of the best in the league. They got Ryan Ellis, Matt Duchesne, Victor Arvinson, and then Ryan Johansson. This team is so talented, but they just haven't been able to put it together yet. And they are by far my biggest disappointment. You go from a division winner to a team that's really on the outside looking in. Chad? Uh, I got to say the Toronto Maple Leafs have been my biggest uh, disappointment. Let's be honest. This team absolutely stinks. Uh, there, there's no other way of saying it. They're 0-3 yeah, they in the first round of the playoffs, losing twice to the Bruins and once to the Capitals, which on its own doesn't sound that bad. I mean, you're making it to the playoffs and all that. But when you look at it this year, it's not looking like they're even going to make the playoffs. They have a lot of injuries on the defensive end with Jake Muzzin and Morgan Riley both being out, and they just haven't been able to get production from their depth players. So how do we expect them to be good this year when they can't even make it through the playoffs last year with a much stronger team? You're right. We talk about the young uh, depth unit players that Ian talked about. When will they get over the hump? This team has not so far in their past three years. Ian, let me hear your disappointment. Well, team. Speaking of stinks, on my script here, Martin Jones, it says goalie Martin Jones stinks. He's given up more than three goals a game. And no matter how good you can play offensively on the other end of the ice, you got to be able to get, you know, give something there from Martin Jones. He's doing absolutely nothing for the Sharks. They're the third worst team in the West. They lost their best center in Joe Pavelski. That's had a bigger impact than I guess people have expected there. And this is a team that made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year, and they beat the Blues. They lost to the Blues. Yeah. They lost to the Blues. That's my bad. Point is, this team made it that far and they were able to make it, you know, a Western Conference Finals. This isn't just a playoff appearance. This isn't just a top of division. They nearly made it all the way before falling to the Blues, and they've just completely collapsed this year. And I'll transition it to you, Dylan. We saw how emotional you got with the Yankees, so I can't wait to see what you're doing here. You got the tie-on for the New Jersey Devils, and at the front of your script it says, Team's a clown show, so please enlighten us on the Devils a little bit without banging the table too much this now, time. Now, I got, I got a bit angry with the Yankees, but the Devils have also angered me. You know, I expected this team to make the playoffs, even make a run. They've made a lot of uh, moves in the offseason, getting P.K. Subban, Nikita Gusev from Vegas. They've had a lot of great players coming in. Will Butcher was supposed to step up this year. But as you said, Ian, this team is a clown show circus in New Jersey. And now they find themselves second worst in the East. They cannot get a stop from Corey Schneider. Guys in the minors, he's getting paid $6 million, and he can't even perform in the league. He gives up five goals against Columbus the other night where the team was battling for goals. It should have been a close game, and he just gives it away. Guys should be bought out. Really, his career is over. And then you look at this team, John Hines fired, which I didn't mind. Coach stunk. His system stunk. He ran a defensive system. Absolute clown show, if you ask me. His defensive system does not play to the forwards on this team. Nico Heischer, Kyle Palmieri, fast guys. Jesper Bratt, fast guys. He plays a defensive system where they can't show off their skills. And then they bring in interim coach Alain Nazardine, and he's played great with the offensive unit, but they still can't get a stop from a goaltender. We talk about Martin Jones with a 3.23. They bring in Mackenzie Blackwood. He's pretty good, but he's only a rookie. He's thrown into this circus of a team, and they can't get any stability from their netminder. Then you look at their playoff appearances in the last two years. They've had one. 
One since 2012 where they lost to the Kings in the finals for game for six games. Sounds like you got cheated there, Dylan. Not as good as the Yankees have been, but this team has been a clown show. Then we look at how they fired GM Ray Shiro. I felt he made a few nice moves, trading for Sammy Votnin, trading for Kyle Palmieri, making a few good draft picks. But his return for Taylor Hall was an embarrassment. The guy's a superstar in this league. You talked about it, Chad. He has 40 points this year, and he played great for the Devils. He brought us to the playoffs in 2017-18, and now they get a first-round pick. They get a prospect. What is that? I need results from this team and they need it soon or else there's going to have to be a change in this organization anyways well there was already a change they fired the gm they need and a they big fired change and they need a what else are you going to do i think dylan wants to go coach the team and be the gm to be completely honest if i point. could if i could i would but they do expect their coaches to be over 25 years old anyways mm-hmm. you could pass for 26 dylan <laughs> Chad, thank you for the compliments. Anyways, let's head over to the hardwood and the NBA. They are also at their all-star break, which is coming up. And Ian, you wanted to talk about a potential playoff contender and what they could be most proud of this season. Well, what I wanted to reflect on, especially in the NBA, you need young guys to step up. You're talking about NHL. When will those guys take the leap? And there are two teams where guys have taken the leap, and I want to touch on them. The Memphis Grizzlies, again, this is a team that bottom of the cellar. No one really cares about them. They haven't been relevant for a long time. They land the second pick in this year's draft. They get John Morant out of Murray State again. Murray State, where is that? The I middle can of, tell you. It's the middle of Kentucky, I'm pretty sure. But he comes out of nowhere, and John Morant is a star. And not just because he's averaging nearly 20 a game with seven assists, but it's the efficiencies from a rookie. You, as you mentioned, you mentioned there's a guy in the Devils, a good defenseman, but he's a rookie. He's thrown into the fire. He's going to have his lumps. John Morant has not had lumps this year. He's shooting nearly 50% from the field, 40% from three. He's dissing James Harden on the floor because everyone says he can't shoot, and he's shooting 40% from three. He's one of the best three-point shooting rookies in the league. And this is a team that they fired Dave Fisdale a few years ago, and he got fired from the Knicks. If you want to talk about a clown show, that guy's, you know, guy's an issue. I, I'm willing to, the you Knicks. Know, I'm, no, let's not get started there just yet. But, you know, I wish the Knicks got John Morant, but they had the third pick. Barrett, I think he's going to be a good player for the Knicks. But John Morant's just on another level, but he's winning games. It's one thing to see a team get a great rookie and they just stink. And you're like, well, they'll be there next year if they have this great rookie. But they're the eighth seed in the West, which is the West. If you're the eighth seed in the West, you can be a middle seed in the East. So I think what John Morant's doing there is fantastic. And they also have Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, two good players. Another team I want to talk about, the Magic. You guys were uh, talking a little bit of heat about Markel Fultz before the show. Markel Fultz is a guy who was the number one pick in the draft out of Washington. This guy was getting compared to James Harden. And then people think he forgets how to shoot. He had a major shoulder injury with nerve damage. And if you're a basketball player, you need your shoulder to shoot. And he hasn't even shot the ball that well over these last seven games. But he's finally finding his game again. And it's just these stories in sports that you have to love. No matter, you know, no one here is a Magic fan. No one, there's not a lot of Not many are, yeah. Not many are. But people can start. Orlando has needed a star since Dwight Howard left, since Shaquille O'Neal left. They haven't had that guy. Is Markel Fultz that guy? Maybe not. 
but he's averaging 17, 7, and 7 with one and a half steals per game over the last seven games. The Magic are in the playoff picture again. He's exciting to watch, and he finally is back in it, and I love Magic. Again, you mentioned that they gave up, the Devils gave up a young star for pretty much pennies on the dollar. They gave up pretty much two second-round picks for a former number one overall pick. This guy is going to be back and better than ever. If he can refine that shot, he'll be an all-star. Now, Platt, let's go over two years. What was the team that you wanted to talk about today? Well, I'm going to make it easy for you guys. I'm going to take the Milwaukee Bucks. They had the best record in all the league at 39, 39 and 6. Big reason why is that guy you may know is the Greek freak, Giannis. He's unbelievable. I mean, he deserved an MVP last year, finally got one. And this year, he's on his way to his second in a row. I mean, he's only gotten better. His biggest weakness had to be his three-pointer. But, I mean, he's shooting the ball from downtown at a pretty nice clip at 32%, which is pretty good for a big man. He can do everything else. He's a freak inside. Transition, he gets buckets. And this this Bucks team reminds me a lot of the Raptors team we saw last year win it all. As we know, the, the Eastern Conference is so weak. I mean, it got weaker when Kawhi went to the Clippers. And if this team rolls through the Eastern Conference Finals and gets a banged-up team or a team that's played a lot of games in the West, kind of like what we saw last year with the Warriors and the Raptors, and the Raptors came away with the win. Giannis, I mean, hey, he's a free agent next year. He's got to, he's got to, uh, he's got to play, play to get his money, get get a, get a contract, and. Uh, <laughs> He's already earned the Supermax record-breaking yes. deal. Record. But what this is huge for Milwaukee, it's Milwaukee. Again, a franchise in the middle of nowhere has not had a lot of relevancy. Giannis can go anywhere he wants to go. And as a Knicks fan, yeah, he's not coming to New York. But I can hold that pipe dream in my head. Giannis can go anywhere he wants. And, you know, as much as Milwaukee has embraced him, is he going to win a championship in Milwaukee? Is someone going to join him in the middle of nowhere to win a ring? Who knows? But this season proving that he doesn't need a second star. Chris Middleton's doing enough. Brooke Lopez is doing enough. Mike Budenholzer's a great coach. He is doing fantastic work with that team spacing the ball. He may not need to leave Milwaukee. This is huge for him if they can keep him in 2021. If they can win a ring this season, they're the best team in the NBA by far, that could convince him to re-up with Milwaukee and not leave. Definitely, and I want to talk about, Chad, I'm going to take this one before you get in to your Miami Heat, who are playing great this season. I'm going to go with the Pacers. I'm going to take a team that I am proud of and a team that I feel needs some work. Now, the Pacers, they're fifth in the East. They get the superstar Victor Oladipo back very soon, but Don... DeMontis Sabonis has played great this year, Ian, along with some other players such as Michael Brogdon. He's played great this year. And fifth in the East is nothing to to calm down at. You know, there's a lot of great teams in the East. Very top-heavy conference. But Indiana is there, and I feel that they could definitely make some noise against a team such as Boston or maybe even Toronto when they meet in a playoff series. Now, the team that I am disappointed in is the Brooklyn Nets a team that made a great move to sign Kevin Durant, even though he was hurt. He's out this year, of course. He will be back next year. But a player that I really wanted to go off of was Kyrie Irving. This man has stolen money from the Brooklyn Nets franchise this year. He says he's hurt. He doesn't play yesterday against the Sixers with a torn hamstring, hamstring injury, tight hamstring. This man needs to play and get on the court, and then he has the audacity, the audacity to come out and say, this team needs more pieces. More pieces to compete. He's throwing everyone under the bus. He I mean, is. I he mean, is Kyrie Irving's always the... been this way, though. 
I mean, the man has. is a first. He's saying we need more pieces, and then he's saying the Earth's flat. Like, Guys where does this guy he's stop? A nut. He's hey, a nut. Hey, Knicks didn't make the mistake. Let's go. And the Nets are losing well. The yeah, Nets KD's still not there. The Nets, I saw the this stat. I saw this stat that the Nets played better without Kyrie than they did with him. Is Kai? You're pretty much saying are the Nets a better team without Kyrie? No, Obviously, no, I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying Kyrie needs an attitude change to realize that he isn't the number one guy on the team. They have other pieces. Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie. They're going to get KD back next year. He has to take to the back seat of the bus, and he has to realize that he isn't the star of the team. He hasn't played most of their games. He has to say, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to contribute for this team and see if they get some wins. They lost to the Sixers yesterday. That's disappointing in Philadelphia. But... They need to show up or else they're not making playoffs this year. Unfortunately, as much as we all love to watch Kyrie Irving play. Great basketball player. Great player. Attitude is Will issue. he ever have an ego check? And who knows? This is a guy who was in Cleveland with LeBron. He says, I want out of Cleveland. I want to be the but guy in Boston. But he had the right attitude he goes when LeBron to, was the king. That's exactly. Yeah, because he was young. It was Correct. LeBron. He has to go back to that. Will he ever? That's a question. As I had a feeling this was going to happen this year with KD on the bench and forgotten about in a sense, how is he going to lead this Nets team? And he isn't a leader. Is, he's not a leader. He's a second wing guy. The best, one of the best second hand guys you can have. Ball handling, shooting. Not a great defender. Doesn't need to be. Can he take that ego check when KD gets back? He has to start being a humble guy now. He's already, I mean, those guys in the locker room, I don't want to say they hate him right now. But he is not helping his case. Next year, he has to realize he's the second option. He has to start acting like it now so that when KD is actually back on the court, he can have that Absolutely. And I look to Coach Kenny Atkinson to even contribute to that issue as well. You know, Kyrie, he's a main guy on the team, but he has to take that step back, as you said, Ian, and realize he isn't the guy who's going to win the championship. Kevin Durant is. And let's flip it over. We talked a lot about the Nets. Let's talk about... The Miami Heat. Chad, you're actually a Heat fan. They've been slumping the last few years, and a lot of young guys have come out of absolutely nowhere, and this team is the second-best team in the conference, best team in the NBA at home. What is clicking under Eric Spolster right now? I mean, just you already talked about it. It's just the depth that they have. You got guys like Kendrick Nunn, who no one saw coming this season. A second-year player. He had a couple, He had a little bit of experience at Golden State, but uh, he, he has the potential to be the rookie of the year this year mm-hmm. without John Morant's amazing performances yes. that he's been having. And then you also have guys like Tyler Hero, who was a great pickup. He's a great shooter from three. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jimmy Butler, who's clearly the star of the team. But That's he has a man that Kyrie needs to be like. Very humble, leads the young players. I know what you mean, Dylan. And I mean, just the way he plays defense. Defense is rare to come by in the NBA nowadays. <laughs> So now finding a guy like him who can score and play defense, I'm not calling him like Kawhi Leonard, but he's a great, I he's a great utility player. piece that you can have for your team. He that's plays really with made grit, him. but he doesn't go over the line. He knows how to lead the guys doing it in a physical manner. Exactly. And then you have, for a big man, you have Bam Adebayo, who's, mm-hmm. not, who's not super tall, but he, he's just, he's kind of, he's kind of bulky. Let's yeah. be honest. Like he's a big dude in that sense of the word. At only 6'9", he has the muscle mass and stuff to go up and get boards that other guys can't get. Kind of like uh, Charles Barkley did back in the day. Just a lot more athletic. He can athletic. pass. He can rebound. I didn't see what the hype was around him coming out of Kansas, if I'm not mistaken. But he's proven he can do a lot of different things. A lot of different guys with different skill sets on this team. And I think that's going to work out. Yeah, when, when he came out of Kentucky, I was really disappointed because he, he wasn't a major player there. But, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can see what you mean, Ian. And... Uh, it just, just that bench has really been helping them out too, and their ability to win at home. Come playoff time, if they come against the Bucks, 
that home that home record's really going to help them. Yep. Absolutely. They're 19-1 at home this season. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Great job from everyone as well. I'm sorry for getting heated a little bit on some topics. A little bit. But sports does get in our emotions as well. You see it with the Saints fans, of course, every year. They get cheated. Thankfully, oh, that's, that's it's a not, that's not thankfully, cheated. It's that's not a illegally cheated like that's the Yankees topic. have been cheated. That's a topic for another time. Now, let's end this one up. It, was, it has been Episode 3 of Beyond the Whistle with my boys Austin Platt, Chad Russo, Ian Nicholas. I've been Dylan Pescatore, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Dylan.